<laughs> yeah. So it looks like we're good. It looks like we can roll that. Rolling. Rolling. Rolling down the river. Alrighty. Hello there. Hello. Welcome. It's another Tuesday night with uh, Scuba and the Rye. Rye guy. <laughs> with the Scuba guy. Yeah. Scuba and the Rye. Alright. Well. Yes. It's kind of... What you been up to, man? What have I been up to? It's just been busy at my work for for various reasons lots of training lots of changes but you know i, oh, really? I take everything head on but you know that is, that is the world of um health insurance so changes are coming gotta stay afloat of course of course but other than that just been just kind of relaxing um prepping for that gre test which I'll be taking. When are you March, taking that? March six. March six. Already signed. Okay. Up. Already, you know, already paid and signed up. I do got to find the testing site. It is over here near you, over on Battlefield. Oh, okay. Office Park. I just I'll probably go out there like one weekend just to see where it is. And then, oh, Battlefield is a pretty long road, so it's off of right there behind Lowe's. Oh, Volvo. Yeah. Okay. Somewhere back there, but yeah, that's gotcha. March six. So. During the week, I go to the library once, you know, one day, and I either I uh, prep on the the writing portion or prep on the verbal portion. I haven't really touched on the math portion, but because of the deg degree I'm going in, I don't think it's a very big deal with the math portion. Plus, I skimmed over the stuff that is math, and I kind of know it, so I'll probably leave that for last. Okay. For review, but other than that, just um just relaxing. I did um. Uh, go and uh, venture out over to Ikea on Saturday. Haven't been in there in a while since oh, it really? opened. Looking for a new couch, so I wanted to test the waters there first. So, there's a few couches on there that I got on my maybe buy list. But I got out of there really quick because if I stayed in there too long, I would have bought something. <laughs> yes. So, but that's it. Just pretty relaxing weekend. Other than... Uh, the the big events of events when it comes to professional football. Oh yes, Super Bowl was this past weekend. So yes. good, bad, or indifferent. It was a it was a pretty cool game. Very 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 great. I like it when games are close. So it keeps it keeps it entertaining. So the game was close. So oh, yeah, the game was intense. Oh yeah. So two well, two top teams going against each other. It's usually going to happen that way. So how did your how did how did you approach your Super Bowl Sunday? How do I approach my Super Bowl Sunday? Well, the tradition is usually whenever it's the Super Bowl, I always get uh, two two large pizzas from Why Not, a great local institution. Check it out if you come in to visit. Um, so I get two large pizzas there, and then I go and usually there's another place I usually get wings, but I just decided to get the wings from Wegmans because mm -hmm. I just throw it in the oven and bake it for a few minutes, you know, 15 minutes, and came out fine. Oh, that's so good. About 40 plus wings. A big pizza. My dad did could cook some uh, uh, ribs, so we had that too. Nice. And a bunch of chips and dip. Okay. So that's how I prepped, and then we just sat there and watched the game and just um, joked, chattered, and had a good time. So that's pretty much it. This was a very low key weekend. So. Yeah. Low key. Yeah, low key. Catching up on some shows. And other things. All right. Well, I mean, let's talk. Let's talk about the game because it's right. obviously In the depth. big media thing for January is going to be the Super Bowl, and this year it was, of course, in Miami. Oh yes. Um, I almost thought about going. 
We almost thought about going, but you know, tickets would cost me half my 401k, so nah, not worth it. Um, Skittles wanted to watch it. She she was asking me, hey, can we watch Super Bowl? Okay. Can we watch Super Bowl? So I was like, all right. So doing Super Bowl. Obviously. Now, the funny thing is, is while at work for the day, oh, yeah. or at, uh, over uh, over at Balahack, there were a lot of we had a we had a pretty good turnout. Yep. And then about mid afternoon, people were leaving, and it's like, just asking, okay, what, what you leaving so soon? Because you know, I'm being friendly and all that. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I got to go home for Super Bowl parties. I'm like, ah. <laughs> but <laughs> and all that's because I'm not a big Super Bowl person. I'm not a big professional sports person oh yeah you know because i don't i don't know all the rules it's obviously it's not a very stereotypically acceptable thing for a guy to not be into football well there's there there are a lot of guys that aren't really into football but it's been bred into me since i was a young age so i mean i did try out for my high school team i got on the field i put on the pads i didn't like it so i left because yeah. I preferred the backyard football that felt a little more fun, yeah. getting into that all that structure or whatever. It wasn't really my thing. Yeah, but it's like all right. So I, of course, because of that, I don't really pay attention to yeah. what's going on in football. I mean, I, I'm from a little more familiar with it now because it's good conversation piece with people. Because if you're looking for a good conversation or an icebreaker. You can talk about if you pay attention to certain current events, like when com- the combine pops up, preseason, yeah. post, all of yeah, that. Like, it makes for good yeah, conversation. Who's be the top pick? What do you think your team's going to do this year? Yada yada yada. Who's got? Who's got? The, it's, 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 the whole draft thing is really confusing to me, but I'm sure we can we can go into that later. But so Skittles wanted to do this. Of course, we didn't do any Super Bowl party or anything like that. Yeah. You know, it's just. We're going to put the game on and we're going to watch it. Uh, Of course, I'm coming off the field after two days. And so I'm a little tired. So I'm just like, I'm going to sit and we're going to watch. And we got through the first half. Yeah. Even through the halftime show before it was like, all right, I've got to go pick up Top Shelf from work. Um, Because I was the, you know, why a game that is an hour long is a three hour ordeal. I'm still not understanding that. It's (laughs) It's just think. It's, I mean, even think about it. It's like each quarter is fifteen minutes. Yeah, it's an hour. Why does it? Why is it? It started at eight six thirty Eastern and ended at nine thirty Eastern. Roughly. Well, you have to factor in commercial breaks. Yeah. Uh, this game is a little bit longer because the halftime show. They you know they put in. Well, a yeah. I mean, you got the first half is a half an hour. The second half is yeah. a half an yeah. hour. And you got the the halftime show, which is roughly a half an hour. A little a little t- a little tidbit rule from for the games. If you you've never if you've never been to live games, they actually have a guy on the field that will purposely uh, when games are televised, um, they have to make mandatory breaks outside of just the general timeouts. And then there's a guy that's wearing orange sleeves on the field, and he'll come up near the refs and he'll whine like this, to be like, okay, TV timeout. It's an obligation with the networks to take certain amount of breaks, uh, commercials. So it's an extra timeout for the players. So, what back? To, what happened back in the old day where it's like game started, yeah. game played, and commercials came in, commercials came in, yeah. but they still played. They were not bowing down to this enterprise. Hey, it's uh, it's all tied into the the money. Uh, anyway, yeah. So. 
first half was exciting. Of course, I'm rooting for the Chiefs. I was rooting for the Chiefs too, people. Patrick Mahomes is my boy. I love was that not was not feeling the whole root for the 49ers. I really wasn't. But you know, and Skittles was rooting for the for the Chiefs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife was rooting for the for the 49ers, and so it's like she went to bed about the ha- right before right about the time the halftime show kicked off. So she didn't see the second half. So, but going into that halftime with the fact it was tied up 10-10, it was like, oh, that's pretty good because oh, yeah. even though I'm not a big football person, seeing a game that is not a complete shutout, you know, yeah. or like horribly lopsided, that felt like it was worthwhile watching. Yes. So the second half. So what did you think of the first half? First half was was what I expected. You know, you have uh, two young teams that are going for the ultimate prize, and going for the ultimate prize, you know, you're gonna have some jitters. So you can watching the game, you can tell that they they were playing on both sides a little bit conservative, but the Niners had a little more of the upper edge because their defense is is a is the is the top defense in the league. Mm-hmm. Like I called it. Before the start of the season, that I predicted that San Francisco would make it to the Super Bowl, because like I follow the teams in the off season, mm-hmm. and watching how that defense come together, that whole front line are all uh, first round picks. That 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 front four is all all first round picks. So, you know, it's just a reminder of like those old school defenses from back in the day, like the steel curtain from the seventies, yada yada yada. Oh yeah. So. But yeah, it is. It is what I was expected. They were kind of just feeling each other out, trying to figure out how to tackle each side. So you know, it was pretty even in the first half. All right. So yeah, I thought that was good. And then, the, and then second half, I was nine minutes left of the third quarter is when I left to go pick up Top Shelf. I expected, to my own mistake here, that the game would be over by the time I got to where he worked Mm because it was a 40 it's roughly a 40 minute drive for me yeah so you know knowing that each quarter each quarter is 15 minutes nine minutes left to one plus 15 that's less than 40 minutes no i get there and there's like 10 minutes left to the fourth quarter i'm like what the heck yeah but i was there to watch that uh impressive impressive touchdown bringing the bringing it up to uh because in the time I was driving, San Francisco scored another 10 points. Yep, so it was 20 to 10. And then I was there when the Chiefs pulled off uh, another touchdown. So when I left to make the drive home, I was expe- it was Did 20 to, to 17. Did you No. Okay. I wouldn't know which channel 94.1. See, that I... I plug my phone in. I listen to what's on my driving playlist, and that that's it. I don't know. I do the same thing with my phone. But I, just I, a, FYI, if you're ever in the area, it's ninety four point one. Okay, so Wait, get home. Yeah. And of course, I leave the I leave, and it's like twenty to seventeen. Yeah. 49ers are up. I get home. Skittles is like we won, we won, we won. Thirty one to twenty, and I'm like. Wow, because yeah. when I left, there was six minutes left in the game. Apparently, I missed the I missed it where the Chiefs were like, you know, we're done with this. We're gonna put, we're gonna put you in your place now. <laughs> oh yeah, like yeah, like they they uh, they they're known as the comeback kids because every game, every all their playoff games they were down and they came back to win. 
But the thing is that Kansas City has a very quick strike offense. So even if you keep them down for like three and a half quarters, they have enough uh, weapons on their offense where they can just quickly strike, which you saw. Mm. You saw. I did see quite a bit of it because, I mean, there was some really impressive plays. Patrick Mahomes is is like the new face of the league. Like he is – he is like one of the best quarterbacks, best young quarterbacks coming up in the league. And when I saw when he got drafted by Kansas City three years ago, like I predicted that he would be a Super Bowl champion because of the way he plays. He plays efficient. He has an arm, a cannon for an arm, and he can just f- make plays happen. Okay. He can just make. He's just so versatile because he can run, but he's a passer, so he's always looking downfield trying to find his receivers. So, but still, it was a yeah. great game, good and well deserved. Yeah. And now it's like a couple weeks. We got combine coming up, and then yeah. preseason stuff. I am, so. I'm really, really glad to see Andy Reid get the Super Bowl because he's all, he was already consi- you know considered a, a shoe in for the Hall of Fame because of all the accolades he's done as a coach. This was just topping on the cake. So, yep, yep. And uh, it's and then oh, God. and the halftime show. That halftime show was just wild. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too, but you know, there's definitely some. It was funny because I was uh, I went to Sunrise for breakfast the day after. Okay. Right and a good local institution. Check it out. Yeah, it was. It's, I just I had to be out like stupid early for work. No. What was it? At? Monday morning, I, I rolled over there because I, I rolled over there Saturday morning because I had to drop Top Shelf off at a friend's house okay. to do a D and D session before he went to work, and I was like, I got time before I have to be on the field. Yeah, I'm gonna get breakfast. Well, uh, you know what? I think I'm gonna go get a real breakfast. So I went <laughs> over to Sunrise. Great breakfast, pancakes, eggs, whole fries, whole nine yards. It was great. And then went over, and then Monday I went over there, and of course me and the other, it was very quiet. It was me, the uh, one other patron, patron was there, and then the staff. And we were talking about that whole thing, and it was just that reaction to the halftime show. Where it's like, it was a good halftime show. Um, the And I don't, I don't know how much you know of Shakira's uh, style. Oh yeah, whatever, I know about Shakira's style. She can is tell. A- but the other guy was sitting there, and he he made sense. Is like he was like, you know, it looked like she was holding back, because it looked like Shakira Shakira was having a lot of fun, but you could also tell she was holding back when she had this uh, the other dancers on there, as opposed to when she when they weren't there and she didn't have to worry about keeping pace with them. So, but yeah, then she, she's a she is a trained belly dancer. Oh yeah, she's. So. She's got the moves, and she's she's aged really well. Well, yeah, like when you see both her and Jayla on stage, you don't realize that they are what you know their age. I think Jayla is over fifty, right? Am I? I don't know. I don't follow Jayla. I don't care about Jayla. I know. <laughs> Just keep talking. I, I, I'll I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of Jayla lately. Her all of her. I mean, the pre two thousand stuff, maybe fifty. She's fifty years old. So so she's. But my point was, is like, you know, this was a, it's like, didn't seem like they really were paying attention to, so not all of it being very family friendly because while they, I think they, 
this is I realized that there are points of this where it was all about empowering women and that's the the new thing which yeah. I'm totally fine with. Yeah. But it also seems like you're kind of you're trying to empower and change the stereotypes but your dance routines are playing into all the stereotypes. You know, there was a conversation <laughs> of this that that happened. You know, among people that they they talk about the same thing, but the thing is it doesn't bother me. This is what they choose yeah. to do, and it's like, okay, like, I can I, see I, that having having a young yeah, daughter, yeah, and then but, it's like, you know, all about that, but then it's like, okay, and Jayla last year yeah. did hustle, and then she had the pole and was doing a, a routine, doing a couple of moves yeah. on the pole, which were fit, which fit in with there, but yeah. the costume choices and some of the other stuff, it's like, doesn't it seem like, it, it almost seems like it might be a possible mixed signal here. Or also, it's like I can see why, like the uh, the it's waitress a, at the restaurant yeah. was just like thought it was absolutely disgusting yeah. with the, their routine because it's like, how, why, why, why should they be up there doing that with kids watching the Super Bowl? I could counter the uh, argument like it's it's a, it's a valid argument, but at the same time, these are the same people that did not complain about um, Adam Levine being shirtless last year so yeah it's a, it's a, it's, it, a, it's a mixture of you know everybody has their opinion everybody has their thing like i get it you know it can be t- tasteless but you gotta they gotta understand one thing you gotta realize where the super bowl was happening it was happening yeah. in miami a very large latino population down there and i and I that's and that's how they mind. you know and that's how they party down there which you know, it's fine. I yeah, think I the whole thing was cool. I think the but I will never say somebody's wrong for saying they didn't like it. No, you know? like I always, I under always understand both points. And actually, I preferred Shakira's part more than J Lo's part. I like Shakira more anyway. That's yeah. just me being biased, people. So, <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 I I like her. Don't lie. Where's 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 my drum sound bite for that? Dun, man? Dun, dun, oh dun, god. Dun. All right. Um, so yeah, there was a halftime show, Super Bowl, post Super Bowl. Now, <laughs> it was good. I mean, yeah, uh, it was a it was a great Super Bowl. I like then, close games. And of course, the other great thing with talking Super Bowl is talking the commercials. Oh yeah, commercials. there were some really wild commercials. There were some really good ones. The, the one of the one of the ones that had me, my brother, laughing hard was the Jason Momoa one. <laughs> The Jason Momoa commercial was probably the topping on the cake. Oh, you know when you go Skittles when... was so Skittles and my wife yeah. was so distraught over that commercial. I love that commercial. It just like I <laughs> just be my. <laughs> it's just like because it, it, it. I was it, dying. It was it's it it was uh it didn't about face the fact of you know it challenged you know the the image of masculinity but at the same time it showed. An appreciation of being yourself, <laughs> and the fact that he couldn't lift up a bar when he was weighing, and then his wife just put it up there was topping. The or the trainer, or whoever yeah. it was with him. Oh, that was his wife. Oh, that was yes. okay. That's why it was so funny. <laughs> it was just the taking off all the muscles, oh, yeah. and then the hair. It's just like it was great. Um, that one was good. One of my favorite ones was the Jeep commercial. 
the cheap commercial, the Groundhog Day one. That was hilarious. The fact that Bill Murray just took the took the woodchuck and just did whatever the heck he no, wanted. No, no, no. It's more than that. It's realizing that a lot of the all those actors yeah. that were in Groundhog Day reprised those roles for that commercial. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's it's so great. You saw the faces. I was like, oh, oh, oh my god, oh my god. It's like. Ned, no, <laughs> it's like because he in the movie he does grab the the the, the groundhog to, and drives off a cliff with it, but yeah. this one in the pickup truck and this one he's driving to the with the gladiator. It's like oh we're just gonna have fun now. <laughs> oh yeah, and another one that I I liked it, it was near the end, but it was funny. It was the Doritos Old Town Road Showdown. Did you watch that oh. one? The one with Sam Elliott that had me laughing. The fact that when he looked. And, uh, you know, uh, Lil Nas asked God and his horse to dance. Sam Elliott turned to his horse and the horse was like, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That there was, was, oh I my actually gosh. think, uh, oh my gosh. it's been a while since they actually had great commercials overall. Like, every commercial hit either a comedic tone, a dramatic tone. It hit every emotion. Mm-hmm. So you know, and of course we have the the one mo- we had the movie preview for Black Widow. Oh yeah, we had Black Widow. There was uh, Top Gun. Top uh, Gun right at the start. No time to die. Yes. Um, um, they did a montage of Fast Nine, but the one the one that caught me off guard because I did not know they were going to show it was when Marvel teased the, their shows. There's three shows coming out. I missed that. I yeah. missed it. It must have been while I was driving. Oh no, it, it was it was in the fourth quarter. But you know, they mm. all they did yeah, was bring up all they brought did was first they showed Cat Shield, and you know I'm just thinking maybe it's just some Marvel thing. But then you see um, a Falcon grab the shield and start training with it. So it's a it was a montage. It was just a montage of Falcon and Winter Soldier, WandaVision, and then at the very end Loki. Just okay. a little hint at Loki. But the one that caught my eye was the WandaVision because they showed a montage and it looked so weird that it it gravitated to my imagination. I think they weren't they marketing this as like a sitcom. Yes, the way they, they the way the montage displayed it showed uh, it showed Scarlet Witch in various different costumes, including the old school X Men costume. So and then there was like a black and white, a fifties one, and it just. It did enough to pique your interest because it looks so weird, and I like weird things when it comes to like shows and movies. So, yeah, hmm. that was that was the highlight just because I didn't expect to see that one. I knew, I was expecting to see some some of the summer movies to show up. Oh, and a Quiet Place Part Two. Yes, yes, that one is definitely kind of kind of out there. Oh yeah. So yeah, I I enjoy. I think they did a good good job of mixing it in, and then the. Um, and then the um, the whole stain shirt one, I just loved. They they I love that the, line of cheesiness perfectly because they, uh, they, no, no, they quietly. Uh, put the beauty it, of that one is the fact that it's a running gag yeah, yeah. throughout the entire Hard. Super Bowl. Yeah. That I think is the best part. Oh, and you got to admit that first that opening commercial that led into the opening of the game. Oh, you meant the kid running? Take that it was to, great. And take I'll it be to the that, house. Take it to the house. It's like all those various Super Bowl uh, football personalities in that commercial throughout that entire moment and then they timed it toward him running onto the field it was great i thought it was really good yes that was so great i did not know they were going to be doing that no I th- so that's that the good. beauty of it is i think that's one of the things that makes it the best is yeah. the fact that you don't 
it is it tied in so well and oh, yeah. it was so it was very low key it was not bombastic in any way it's just you know this is kid yeah. you know playing backyard football and then running the football so i thought it was really fun and i thought yeah. the the whole thing was great yeah, was i like a... i like the tribute to the world war 2 guys that was awesome it's nice to see the four the them being I like honored how the like one, that. I like how the the one the Tuskegee Airman, you know, he got his cane. He's like, he put his cane. He's like, no, nah, I'm walking on the field. He's like, I'm putting my cane down. That's strength right there. Oh yeah, that was that's. But overall, great Super Bowl. Great Super Bowl, lots of fun. Can't wait to see what happens next. Oh yeah. So now I think we're in the basketball season. Oh yeah, basketball season is heating up. Uh, baseball, they're about to go to spring training. You know, players go down down south for spring training. So you know. Sports just keep on rolling. Rolling, rolling, rolling. So. So. All righty. Well, with that, I think we'll uh, go ahead and kick the, get into our uh, movie reviews. Movie review. And this is another Scuba and Ride journey to the theaters. Yes, it is. And actually, uh, a very last minute, because I text you at the very last minute on this one. Alrighty, so this week we're going to talk about Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Alright, now this is a film that was released last year. Last year. But it was re-released because it's an Oscar contender. Yes. So what um, AMC Theaters does is that when the best pictures come mm -hmm. out, they go and they rotate the best pictures until the night of. Alright, so tell me what you think, what you thought of, the, of Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit, um... I think you already know I kind of you know, but Jojo Rabbit just to get a, a just a just a quick premise. It focuses on a boy named Jojo, uh, played by Roman Davis, who lives with his mother Rosie, played by Scarlett Johansson, and they live in Nazi Germany. And the odd oddity thing is that this boy is obsessed with being the best Nazi in the world, and he has an imaginary friend who happens to be Hitler. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, this is this is tying yeah. into yeah. the the whole Hitler Youth thing of of the nineteen forties yeah. of World War Two Germany, and the film is also taking place in the latter part of World War Two. Oh yeah, like, so very near the end of the the campaign. Yeah, I think this is probably the last year or so of the of the uh, of the war, going right into to V Day or whatever. Yeah. So with that, him being wanting to be the best Nazi for for Nazi Germany. He comes to find certain revelations happen about his mother and who's living in the house. And that leads to a lot of a lot of fun feels satirical moments in the film. Uh, yeah, this is definitely one of those it's a good it's a good film, but I think it's one of those it's one it's one of those films that what really makes it great is your reflection on the film after watching it. Yes. As you sit there and mentally break down the various jokes and scenes, yeah. it's like it makes more sense. So I yeah. think to really appreciate that, we're going to put that spoiler warning out now. If you have not seen Jojo Rabbit, go find it. Go watch it. Spoiler. Um, it's been out for a while, so we I, can do this. Sorry. This is this is spoil. <laughs> I'm going to spoil this one. So okay. I'm going to make a note in the movie notes here that we do spoil this because you really, I think to really appreciate how I feel about the film. You kind of have to go into some of this and really yeah. showcase that while you watched it, yeah, 
and you get one impression and when you it's after you watch the film and you reflect on the film that the true appeal of the film really starts to come together oh yeah go ahead some go ahead and continue on I'm okay just so this film is pretty much uh, uh, written and directed by taika watiti if you recognize his name he did thor ragnarok he did the final episode of the mandalorian so he has a very uh, a very skewed sense of humor he does have a lot of tongue-in-cheek things but it's predicated on um on physical humor and very like cheesy wittiness with the conversations that characters have with each other yes because it's a very about face it's what he does with this movie is he makes he makes living in nazi germany fun in a very ironic way oh this is totally tongue-in-cheek it's totally tongue-in-cheek and it's very uh very outrageous outrageous within its own satire of nazi germany and it's very great because of the colorful cast that happens to be in this movie. Yes. And they help make the movie. Not only does uh, Jojo and his interaction with uh, his imaginary friend Hitler, also played by Taika Waititi, it's everybody around him that makes his that... His mom, uh, the Sam Rockwell's character, even the kid who played Theon Greyjoy in Game of Thrones. <laughs> he, he, he's in there for a little bit. Um, I... I think there's an. I think there's Alfie another. Allen. I think there's another comedian type person. That the, oh, the, yeah. the one chick. The one chick. Uh, Rebel Wilson plays. Uh, plays one of one of uh, Sam Rockwell's so, sergeants. All of these, and, and then JoJo's buddy, his, <laughs> his uh, best friend. friend. <laughs> it's just like the, there's all this stuff. But now, going into this film, going into this film, I thought it was going to be kind of a. Let's tell the same old tired World War II story. Um, yeah. I did not know that I was Scuba thinking, knew nothing about this movie. Now, yeah, I did. I knew nothing about this. I saw the couple of commercials. I was like, okay, cool. This could be interesting. But I'm thinking about it driving out to the theater that night. Sorry, my nose itches. Oh, that's fine. Driving out to the theater that night, I was thinking it's going to be his take on the Diary of Anne Frank material. Or that story, which is a great story, the, the great thing, but the whole bit for hiding Jew, the, the Jews being persecuted, and them being and um, German citizens hiding Jews to try and protect them, and so on and so forth. So I'm going into it thinking it's going to be okay. Here's a modern retelling of that. So I was like, all right, let's see how this goes. With that in mind, I sit down at the theater, and then it starts going, and I'm just totally at first hating the film. I'm not gonna be. I'm gonna be honest. I hated the first part as going into it because it felt too cheesy. Because it's like yeah. I'm not good on cheesy. Yeah, cheesiness. You've, you, you've mentioned before that like cheesiness is there's a fine line. Yeah, there's a fine line with it. It tends to turn me off. But then it was like, okay, we're going into this film, and when I first start the film and seeing the cheesiness, I'm like, I, I can't do this. I, I just hand over my head. I just can't. I saw you from the corner of my eye. And then it's like, as the (laughs) film goes, I start to realize that this is straight up, tongue-in-cheek, spoofing, mocking, everything about Nazi Germany. Yeah, it does does that great about-face. And that's what I love about satire, and especially this being a very dark satire. Yes. That it, 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 it allows 
and it allows Taika Waititi to be able to present living in Nazi Germany through the eyes of, uh, through the innocent's eyes of a child. So you get to get that sense of believability through the satire, which also helps you helps create a retrospective angle of Nazi Germany from from within. Yeah, yeah, but but uh, he he uh, predicated on comedy. Still, this is yeah. still this is totally yeah. tongue in cheek and mocking all of this stuff, yeah. which you know sometimes that's what you got to do, especially yeah. this far removed from that. Oh, yeah, sorry. And, and that that comedy allows for like a fallible sense of honesty. Yes, like people are just just you know a, just matter of fact, like you know. You know, it's just you know. Yeah, gotta, it was it, great, and yeah. I mean, there's some, like the the whole er, per, first part in there where it's like his his, his imaginary where, where his imaginary Hitler is like, well, you're this and this and this, and you're really not that popular. But hey, you could go out and do the best you can do. <laughs> but it's just like okay, and then so going through that, and then toward the end of the film, it was like realizing that there yeah. was a lot of yeah. creativity. The talent of several of the actors is really showcased in the, how they worked with the role. Well, yeah, they they, they they took they took and pushed the archetypes to another extreme by adding not only a colorful dynamic within their interactions, but they added their own stylings with the, with the dialogue and the the propaganda jokes, everything. Oh, yeah, the was propaganda great. jokes, the 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 dark humor when it comes to Nazis' hatred for the, you know the the Jewish population and. Just the, the, the interesting dynamic between... I think the great thing is seeing the relationship between Rosie and Jojo. Because you get to see like an opposition of belief, but they still love each other. Oh, yeah. And it's predicated on what happens near but the she's end. she's even like... He's like... Yeah. He, 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 he's fanatical. You just, he's, just, he's, 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 a, he's a fanatic. And also the fact that when Jojo finds out that... Um, a Jewish girl is living in in the house. This is spoiler already warning out there. But yeah, not that only, is, not only when, is she in the house, yeah. but she's in her. She's in a secret alcove yeah. in her, his sister's room, yes. whose sister died prior to the events of the film. Anyway, yeah. But his mom hid this girl in there. And yeah. When he finds her, I swear, I thought they were spoofing a horror film. Oh, they did. And it was great. I cannot remember which horror film. And so if you've seen it and can remember the horror film that it spoofed in this scene, you know what I'm talking about. I, I think it, it was, was either, It was either The Ring or The Grudge. It felt like it was either The Ring or The Grudge that they were making a mockery I want to think it's The Ring because the girl's but, dark-haired. But I love but that, how it's like it leads up and yeah. she's like, hi. Yeah. And he that, just freaks out. <laughs> that horror, that's, that's another great example of... Genre bending within the satire that puts that retrospective on Nazi Germany because all these people think that you know the Jewish people are you know monsters and the way they predicate that with that scene it showcases that through the satire mm-hmm. so that's another good scene and then that relationship between her and Jojo highlights the indifferences that are within the society but it also shows Jojo. Becoming his own person, so yes. it's a little. There's a little pseudo coming of age when he's learning the truth of maybe not everything told about them is true. Yeah, know? yeah. Or or it's like yeah, she realizes he's an idiot. Oh yeah, that just the, totally plays into it. There was the a nice. Wit. There was a nice nod to Usual Suspects. Yes. In that, I love that. That because yeah. that made sense to me, and then and, the jokes. Oh yeah, and she just being so blunt 
and not him not understanding that she was just m- pretty much messing with him oh, the whole yes. time, especially when she put him in a chokehold. Oh and yeah, put him on the floor. <laughs> and, and then of course, right thereafter, Tycho shows up in yeah. his imaginary Hitler. It's just like the two of them was so great yeah. in this. What do we do? I don't know. This is really freaking weird. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that, that that dynamic of how do you make Hitler uh, fun? Uh, Taika Waititi made Hitler fun. Oops. It made him the voice of reason, ironically. You know? <laughs> In a very skewed, dark way. And I like... And the... So... What did you give the film after? Because I know you wrote the review a few days after seeing it. Yeah. Did you feel you what 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 did you give this film? Uh, what I gave this film, I gave it a four out of five. Okay. Full price. Now here, it's two part question. Yeah. Second part, do you feel your rating changed the more time it took you from watching the film? I know normally you don't go based on your initial impressions. After immediately after watching, you let it stew for a couple of days. Yeah. Do you feel as you were reviewing the film mentally, your review was actually ticking up? Um, No. When I walked out of the movie, I was like, this is a full-price movie. And whenever I automatically come out, like, either full-price, matinee, theater discount, perfect, whatever review, like, if I come out feeling one way, I take those few days to think about, why do I feel that way? So... It never goes... Well, there are times when movies go up or down when I'm writing. Well, let's focus on yeah. this particular but this one because particular film. I have a, I have a perspective on yeah. that that I wanted to get talk, yeah. get yours first so, before I explain I came on a movie. I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. You know that because I keep talking about it. And when I was like, okay, I know what I... You know, I said this was a full price movie. And so when I went and sat down and wrote the review, it was still the same thing. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. It predicates on... Mixing a lot of different genres, but it's very, very, it's it's very well written. It stays on one point, and it allows the characters to breathe in in this world that Taika Waititi creates within this playground. Mm-hmm. So you know, you know, and I love I love a great script that knows how to play dark humor and satire against each other, and know how to dance the line of tongue in cheek. Because sometimes you can dance the line and you can be too... What pushes cheesiness over the edge where I do not like it is when they just do a lot of repetition of, of simplistic jokes. Try to make it more than what it seems. Why mm-hmm. Titi, in this film and other films that he's done, it shows that he knows how to play that line, but just enough. Mm-hmm. He knows how to play that line because he's slick with his dialogue. Because his dialogue is all about being bombastic and then like serious but he knows how to mix it in this movie showcases it the way like it plays plays and then at the very near the very end when the war comes home what happens to his mother and him you know having to trust this girl going forward yeah so he knows how to blend it yeah um i found that walking out of the theater i was giving it a two and a half to three out of five i was not i thought it was good as it, realizing it, whatever I went into the film thinking it was going to be, it was not that. But then realizing that if you take the film as a complete tongue-in-cheek uh, a, approach to this, and it is just kind of fun, then the film kind of changes. I kind of want to watch it again because I miss part of it because when it's corny, I just I can't watch, watch it. I want to watch this movie again because I had so much fun. But 
what I've realized a few days after, now it's t it's ticked up more, I would probably give it a three and a half or a four. And that's more or less because there are certain elements of the film that are subtle. Like there's that su there's very subtle foreshadowing and you don't really realize it till you think back on it. Like when we look at his mom, yeah. Every time we introduce his mom, after the initial introduction, it's always she's elevated to where all you see is her feet. Yeah. And then it goes up to the rest of her. Yeah. Which, okay, that's interesting. And then finally the payoff, 20 minutes later, yeah. is what ha what he find when he finds her after she's been outed by the Gestapo. Yeah. But I thought that was very subtle yeah and it's like oh that was kind of see that's a very that's a very astute point because that showcases how you write foreshadowing without being too obvious yes you see you know a lot of movies have foreshadowing some are obvious some are not but when you do it like that and it comes back to hit you that scene mm -hmm. it hit you like it hit me like when it hit us like <laughs> like i got I, I was hurt yeah, that I was, was hurt. That was, yeah, that was good. And I think another good thing for the film and the good element, probably an under underscored element, is Scarlett Johansson's character character performance. Yeah, she is nominated for best supporting actor for, actress for this film. So that was it was really kind of good because yeah. we've seen a lot of her in these particular roles. And yeah, here's a role that's completely different, and it looked it looked like it was better for her than. Some of this stuff that's more traditional, what we've seen her yeah. for, like Scarlett Johansson. Um, it's it's anybody that knows me knows she's my favorite favorite actress, but it's not because of her Marvel, Marvel you know roles. No. It's it's everything that led up to her Marvel roles. Like she's just she's a very great actress from movies like um, A Girl with Pearl Earrings to Match Point to um there's a few other ones that she's very smaller roles but it showcases her ability to act yeah which you kind of which you don't yeah. really have yeah. in in the uh marvel films or yeah. in those action lost in translation another one yeah and also showcases again right director yeah. right script right cast it's a success yeah, yeah. so i think uh, i think overall if we talk that one to uh it's a conclusion yeah, there's still a lot of stuff we didn't go over with the film and because just, uh, there's so many jokes and so many different <laughs> character interactions that it's like you really kind of have to watch this yeah. once or twice to really catch right. everything that's going on in the film. And just uh, just a note, this is based on a book um, by the name of Caging Skies. Ah. So a very uh, good example of a great adaptation. All right. Wow. All right. Um, let's see what we got next on the docket. Docket. Um, actually, you know what? We really don't have a state of game this week. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't play any games except for Pokemon Go. Well, I was out on the airsoft field, yeah. of course, because I'm like there all the time. In fact, I got a new. I did a update on my profile picture today, and apparently, it's uh been quite quite a hit. Oh yeah, you, you yeah you're 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 like this is me. No. <laughs> I was actually when he took the photo. I was just like, really? Yeah, you're like, yeah, you had that look. I'm, I'm very familiar with that look. And it was, um, but 
it it was kind of one of those things. It's like, yeah, that's kind of how I look every weekend now. Yeah. So I thought it was good. Um, gameplay over the weekend was great. Uh, we did have was, the weather was cooperated. It wasn't like raining, raining. Yeah. But um, the parking lot's been expanded, so we had to kind of contend with that. Well, that's good. Well, there was some there. The, we're so getting so much more busier there that we had to expand the parking lot. So, got an excavator and was starting to expand out the parking lot. Yeah. Should be, should be, should be nicer coming into this weekend. But it was good being out there. It was good. The players did fairly well. No, nothing really major happened. Um, attack and defend and all that. It was it was good times. It really was. Um, probably the cool thing that we were kind of as an undertone in conversation throughout the whole day was um, there's an airsofter named Novrich. Obviously, if you're familiar with airsoft, you know who Novrich is. Novrich is a guy who has a field in Austria. And he's a pretty pretty influential sniper uh, brand, right? He released two new rifles this week. An A1, the A1 and the A2, and we had a couple on... And couple on the field to kind of uh, people had picked them up and were testing them out and all this discussion about okay how are these and whatnot. Yeah. So actually had I, so it's like there was that conversation. Then it was just okay overall. It's like all right, how we can uh, how's working through gameplay. But it was good days. It was good times. Not really a whole lot to have to discuss on that one. So I'm not going to waste a whole lot of time talking about it. Mm-hmm. I mean. It was just a lot. It was good weather, good days, and kind of go from there. I'm rambling, so definitely got to move on. Move it on. Move it yeah. on. So we'll just move on to do odds and ends. Oddies and endies. Falling into a rabbit hole. Or great news. Whichever one works best. All right. So odds and ends. We got a couple. We got a number of them here. Um... Maybe some late bloomers. Well, we'll go with what's on the notes and oh, yeah. kind of get in there. It's like, uh, so why don't you take the first one? First one is uh, some uh, movie news uh, dropping down on reported on Screen Rant. Uh, Lethal Weapon 5 is a go, and Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, and original directing director returns. So. Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, and original director Richard Donner are all on board to return for Lethal Weapon 5. Oh, yeah. So the last one was in the 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, the last one, Lethal Weapon 4, um, which put uh, Jet, Li, Jet Li on the American map because a lot of people knew about him. Yeah, it came out late 90s. 98, I believe. Yeah. Um, that's kind of a kind of a twist. 20 years. Oh, yeah. After but, the last film, you want to pick this up again? Oh, yeah. But, it, it, but you can see why they might want to do it because we had a movie that just released not too long couple weeks ago bad boys for life which was a long time between sequels but it's gotten praise from critics and fans and is making a lot of money yeah but this is this is a different film oh yeah the lethal weapon franchise is so different than bad boys but yeah i mean (laughs) but it's but it's possible you know and the fourth one did kind of button things up anyway kind of wrapped it up it's been a minute since i've seen it it's not so much you have mel gibson and danny glover it's the fact that the supporting cast, once you got into Lethal Weapon 4, was just 
a lot of people. Oh yeah, there was a lot of people in that cast because you had uh, Rene yeah. Russo, Joe Pesci, Chris Rock, Chris Jet Rock, Lee, the Jet bad Lee. guy. So I mean, there was a lot going on in that film. Yeah, there's a lot, uh, definitely a lot in '98, July 10th, '98. So yeah. But you know, with with uh, with the sign that all franchises can be renewed again as long as you have, you know, a dedicated group and you know a good oh, let's, story. Let's put that in perspective too, because both Danny Glover and Mel Gibson had expressed when they finished Lethal Weapon Four, they were not wanting to come back to this franchise. They were done until Shane Black, who wrote the original Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Had another script, so I guess it shows in Hollywood, never say never. You never say never, especially... Which, ironically, that is uh, how a Bond film title became. Never say never, but... Yeah, never say never again is okay. actually because Sean Connery never wanted to do Bond again, and they, he came back to do Bond, and that was the title of the film, because never say never. So, in true Hollywood fashion, never say never, apparently they found the right script to convince... These these guys to come back to this franchise, yeah, because it's uh because it's definitely this article goes over not um you know they weren't really wanting to come back but they were just kind of like waiting for a script worth bringing them back, yeah, and the fact that you got you got the main group coming back in the, the, the main because well, Danny Glover just came back onto the acting circuit because yep. he's been off hiatus for a while when he came yep. back to do Jumanji the Next Level. Mel Gibson, of course, came back out of nowhere for Expendables Three. Yeah. So, it, it's not that they're they've been they've been off the map for a while. Now yeah. they're coming. Having them come back shouldn't be too terrible. Yeah. But, like I said, seeing what Bad Boys did, being a different kind of film, but the fact that you can take an old prop if you find the right script, you can make it work. Okay. Which that can go for a conversation we'll yeah. have after this, but. All right, so the next one we have here is, um, again, film-related, but this is more on the technical side of film. Yes, this uh, this definitely um, is on that major side. Major film studios renew a deal with Kodak for to keep celluloid film alive. Now, apparently, with uh, the advent of the digital revolution, doing thing, recording movies in digital format seems to be the thing, but there's still a... A feel and a particular style that comes with using the more analog technology like celluloid film. Yeah, well, there's a lot of big name, uh, big name directors that 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 love using the old film because mm -hmm. they they feel a purest sensation when they're creating their stories on this. So you have like big names like Christopher Nolan's one of the group, J.J. Abrams, um, Quentin Tarantino, Edgar Wright, and Judd Apatow. They love using traditional film, so. Um, so the article, as reported on Collider, quote, Kodak announced on Wednesday that it has re-upped its deal with the five major film studios, Disney, NBC, Universal, Paramount, Sony, and Warner Brothers, to commit to buying undisclosed amounts of celluloid film for the purpose of making movies, end quote. Which is good. I yeah. mean, yeah, obviously certain films lend themselves better to the proper media, but I think we're looking at this one, this is not so much about keeping old tech alive, yeah. this is about keeping choice yeah for filmmakers yeah. it's keeping choice and it's adding to that 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 nostalgia but not on top of that it, there's a, there is a there's an aura when you're watching film watching movies on film there's just a, just a different like visual appeal that you see and you're going to get to see a lot of that visual appeal still 
2020, there's some big tentpole movies that are using film. Celluloid film. Uh, celluloid film. Because um, digital is still a yeah, film, yeah. even though it's digital. Yeah, digital, but celluloid. But there is a there are, there are a couple of big uh, big films coming out this year that are going to be completely. And they are on. getting better at preserving celluloid yeah. because that's part of that. I feel would be part of the argument to retire celluloid is because keeping the stuff together. I mean, when they restored the Star Wars films. From the old celluloid, they really had to do a lot of work to restore the film, oh, yeah. let alone start layering all these new things yeah. in yeah, there. Yeah, but with that investment... Love it or hate it, by the way. Oh, yeah. But with the, you know Kodak sending that investment with the big five studios, you know there's going to be money to make sure that it's pristine and be, be well-preserved going into the future. Yes. So just uh, highlight some of the big films that are completely on celluloid film this year. Nolan's Tenant comes out in the summer. Uh, no Time to Die, the Bond film that comes out this year. Um, Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho and Steven Spielberg's uh, West Side Story. All cool. filmed on celluloid. Alright. All right. So our next one is a bit of Disney news. Disney uh, raining down, controlling the world. Oh, really? Well, maybe not this particular news, but you know, most of they own most of the world. So. <laughs> All right, so to to keep you out of suspense, Disney is looking at a live action Peter Pan, another one. Um, only this time they're for t- the role of Tinkerbell. They're looking at casting Mar- Mar- Margaret Robbie, as in the chick who is playing Harley Quinn in the upcoming film Birds of Prey and the Fabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Yes comes out this weekend people she having her do tinkerbell after doing harley oh lord it's it's going from one spectrum to another but it also shows her acting chops when she can go from this one character to this other character really i mean come on if if this is supposed to be a retreading or a live action adaptation of the animated peter pan tinkerbell didn't say anything in that whole film well, it's all going to be all about expressions, and Margaret Robbie can give a lot of good expressions. Especially in Wolf of Wall Street, people. That's all I'm going to okay. say. Okay, okay. I haven't seen Wolf of Wall Street, so I can't base it on yeah. that. But just from what I've seen of her from Suicide Squad and the commercials for uh, Birds of Prey, yeah, okay, it could probably be interesting. Yeah. But I, this is interest. This is like, again, because I when you think of certain film properties or stories that have been told a little too much this is one that seems like it's been told way too much because while we were in the sitting there to watch jojo rabbit there was a preview for an for another for lost boys or whatever it is which is essentially yeah. peter pan again with the little kids yeah. and, and all it's of called, that uh wendy wendy yeah, yeah that's it wendy and it's like we have Peter Pan. We have Peter Pan Returns or whatever it is. We have Hook. We have Wendy. We have all of these thing. All of these times we've retold this story. Oh, yeah. And the last time it came out was, was a few years under uh, another live action called Pan. Yes. Which was like an origin story which bombed at the box office. Completely bombed. But Nobody I don't think it was it. Disney doing that film, though. No, no. It was, um, who did this film doing some research? Warner Brothers. Yeah, so I, it's just, 
It seems like the Peter Pan thing has been done to death. Well, yeah, but they're 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 pushing it behind a, a slew of uh, other live action that are coming up first instead of okay. that. So you got Lilo Stitch, Lilo and Stitch, Pinocchio, Bambi, and the Little Mermaid. Well, Little Mermaid's on already been cast, so yeah, Little Mermaid we're already waiting for. That's Mulan's about to come out next month. Lilo and Stitch. It's going to be on Disney Plus reportedly. Okay, we'll see how that goes. All right, so our next one. And this one's good for us gamers out there. Over 36,000 Flash games have been saved and are now playable offline. What is up with oh, this, this one, right? This is, uh, this, I saw this and I was like, what is going on, people? But this is reported on Kotaku. Um, uh, quote, Adobe announced that it would stop supporting Flash at the end of 2020. So they went ahead and um, a bunch of um, Flashpoint games are going um open source with a full list of 36,000 games. Okay, and this is because they're going to drop Flash? Yeah, they're dropping Flash at um, uh, near the end of this year. Oh, well, yeah, this kind of preserves gonna... that. Oh, yeah. So any any particular games on that list that pique your interest? I was I never really got into a lot of them, so... Well, I didn't get a, get a chance to look at the list, but... Uh, Just the sheer volume The, the sheer volume games. is what... what, what, what caught my eye yeah so i i can if with that many in the list i can probably find um a lot of games to play all right uh okay so our next one is netflix castlevania season three release is set for march 5th so hey we're gonna be looking forward to that one Oh yes, like I I I enjoyed the first two seasons of Castlevania. Yeah, the new animated one I thought was just phenomenal. I binged both of both seasons as soon as they came out. I thought it was great. Yeah, it's one of those shows that that Netflix likes to do. Like you'll watch it and then you'll end up watching like all the episodes in one day. Just right, they, it hooks you and you just want to keep going. So. Yeah, well, you you got nothing better to do. Just sitting there and watch it. Yeah, yeah, you know. Little, don't you worry gotta, about little things like work. Yeah, you know, sorry, we're Castlevania. You know? Yeah, right. Like Damn. the people who took off the day. At, like, apparently the this Monday is supposed to be one of the most called out days. This past Monday is like yeah. one of the most called out days because people recovering from the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, just just, just make it a holiday, people. You know, no. I just need a day off. All right, whatever. Don't want to use my pal. All right, so our last story for uh, Odds and Ends is... One that's uh, kind of fun for me, and that is how Dungeons and Dragons can help kids develop social emotional learning skills. All right. Anybody who's played tabletop RPGs, it's I don't it, not just Dungeons and Dragons, but all the whole gambit of tabletop RPGs or even just board games in general, using this to teach kids or teach social interactions. Yes. Um, board games of any kind, including, you know, D&D to Monopoly to card games, it allows you to not only interact with people, but handle situations that wouldn't, that you normally would not see. Um, I know the great thing about playing these games is that interaction. You get to talk among people, decide what to do with, you know, together with people when you're going on journeys or when you're, you know... You know, going head to head in games and stuff, and just trying to figure out how to be competitive, but also you know respectful at the same time. So I mean, this is nice. This article is from uh, kqed.org. Um, I'm just gonna read this first part because this first part is what really kind of nails it for uh, the whole thing with gaming. Yeah. 
many many of the kids who arrive at Lee High School in Vermont, it's their last chance at school. They have serious behavioral challenges and are difficult to address in traditional settings. Lehigh is a democratic school that emphasizes a therapeutic approach to student learning. It also uses a variety of personal learning strategies to develop curriculum around the students' passions and interests, including the tabletop role-playing game Dungeons & Dragons. A few years ago, one of, the, one of Kyle Cohan's students with autism asked if the game could be played in class, and it has since become a cornerstone of the school's program. I mean, that's right there. It's like you're getting kids. I've always been a big person who believes in the more, if you're having fun, you're learning, especially with kids. If you can make the material fun, you'll learn it. I mean, it's been documented. It should not be any surprise to anybody who's worked with kids in certain capacities that if the kids are having fun or you make it a game, they're learning. Because even... I can talk about with Teens on Parade. This is yeah. a group of players who've never, who most of them never played D and D before. Yeah. But have had to have worked through some social stuff and the whole role play element to like, okay, is this behavior good, bad, or indifferent? Even Top Shelf with some of his shenanigans with his characters and realizing <laughs> that there are consequences. Yeah. You just can't act like this in society. Yeah, yeah, that's the one good thing is that you know there's a pros and cons to every decision made when you're playing games. But it, it, it gives it gives it a sandbox where you can learn, grow, and improve, but also take those skills and apply it to real life. Yeah, so I felt that was a pretty cool story to, oh, yeah, that was a good, to look uh, at. That was an interesting article to read. I liked it. All righty. Let's see. All right, well, still got some times in the books. So... Let's talk. Let's let's take a few minutes and kind of keep going because we were having that discussion prior to the show, and we'll carry it on for the Patreon section. And that's talking about franchise fatigue. Franchise fatigue. Yeah, I sparked this, and yes, I've seen this is, uh, this you, you got you one. got passionate. I like well, right, I like well, the, the, school let, the school of passion. Let, let's passion let's talk people. about let's talk about some of this. We got Bad Boys for Life. Bad Boys for Life. Which is, this is a three-film franchise. Yeah. Bad, three, the Bad Boys yeah, franchise. Yeah. The trilogies are usually the norm. Yeah. Or four, at, and to some degree. Well, short-term, long-term, yeah. but I've got three here that yeah. I, I can make for this, and we'll cover the first two, and we'll go into the third one yeah. as we transition over. So, first one is, the, you know, we have Bad Boys franchise. We had the first movie in the, in the mid-90s, the second movie... In the late 90s, early 2000s. And yeah. then 17 years later, we have the third film. And the first film felt like a good standalone film. It didn't need to be a franchise, but they made it a franchise. Yeah. Having the sequel. And the sequel, they kind of take it up a notch and get a little more exciting. And then they go into this third film years and years and years later. And having... and, and Going through this third film, it's like, again, more of the stuff that's kind of over the top, and then it's trying to set up to expand its universe, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Which is fine in a small number of films, but does it really feel like that film could keep going past a third film? Is it really worth going past a third film? The way they built it in three, there there is worth. It's not like they're pushing... You know, an over-the-top over, over the top sensation. 
but they're playing within the sandbox of their own 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 story. Okay. But they build what they do compared to maybe a couple others that we're going to be talking about. They actually layer it with worthy storylines and characters, and actually moving the characters forward. When you All right. Have, yeah. Okay, so we have that, and yeah. then we have the next franchise. As I'm leading up to this, is. Yeah. The Lethal Weapon franchise. Yes. Because we talked about that. We, we, we talked about the... All of these have to deal with what we talked about today. Yeah. Lethal Weapon. First Lethal Weapon came out. Then we have an evolution or a growth in the films yeah. from one through four. Yeah. Four had this big... Had this large ensemble cast. Had this kind of ba- very, very simple kind of uh, story with a goal. And the ensemble cast really makes it enjoyable. Yeah. And it ends on a good note. And now we have this we have this discussion about a fifth film coming into the works 20 years or so after the last film was released. If the script is great, I'm all for it. But what I'm worried about is a story that is not showing any growth. Now you're now you're advocating that bad the bad boys franchise, the 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 story has growth. Yeah. When we go into our third film, yes. I haven't seen it yet. I just have the review and yeah. our discussion and you know high hopes. Yeah. Lethal Weapon. I've seen bits and pieces of the first one. I know I've seen the fourth one. Yeah. And I liked how the fourth one kind of had its thing. Yeah. You saw the characters evolve throughout all four films, and then. The fourth story capped everything off, brought off into the sunset. Great. Concern is the fifth is this fifth installment will not have a unique story. It will be trying to retread a story that's already been done or certain archetypes that we've already seen within that universe. So counter to the counter argument to that or counter thought i mean i mean you, you make valid points like you know whenever you re- retread an older franchise you have that cautionary tale of how do you return to it without being too much of the same mm-hmm. so when you have you have well we don't know what lethal weapon 5 is going to look like so no, we, we can't don't. base it but what i can give two examples is bad boys for life and zoolander 2 when uh, Zoolander 2 came out, you know, they had... It was been a long window between films. And what they tried to do was retread old jokes. Because they tried to fit it fit in what was... Worked here, but didn't work here. And it flopped. Because they didn't recognize growth of the characters. They were just trying to rehash the same... Well, material. Another one would be Frozen and Frozen Two. It's the same story. It's just you have a little bit of character growth yeah, in yeah. between. But well, this, the archetypes are all the yeah, same. Yeah, everything's the same in Frozen Two. So when which, it comes to Frozen, which but, all of that goes into mm-hmm, my main yeah. thing, what we we were discussing yeah. prior to the show, and yeah. we'll kind of recap that yeah. and then move forward with that. And that is the trailer for Fast Nine dropped. And the Fast and Furious franchise is one of those that I feel is getting tired. Because it's like we're having this... We're having these... This is a franchise that started off as a single. Yeah. And 
people some people didn't want to return so the second one kind of went in a different direction yeah and then we have the third f- released film but not the third one in the storyline no and that's tokyo drift yeah and then after that it was all of a sudden yeah now we're doing the fast and the furious fast five six seven eight and all of a sudden the story has this universe has expanded these people are all together but it's starting to feel that after a certain point after you introduced hobbs then all of a, it seems like seven or six seven and eight had the same archetype for the villain different actor who played the villain different motivate to somewhat different motivations but the overall archetype and now we're getting the ninth one i see now we have a fourth film in a row where the archetype for the villain appears to be the same i mean and that that's what we were getting into discussion that's where it's like i'm thinking and then all of a sudden that we have this thing where it's like okay in the ninth film we're bringing han back it's not a spoiler it's in the trailer it's in the trailer it's It's in all the marketing han coming back in the ninth film it's like whoa 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 wait a minute why I'm thinking this is straight. Based on the way the other films have gone, this feels like it's. I'm running out of ideas. Let me bring people back. And I think I think bringing Han back, I'm not a fan of. I'm sure it'll be a great in the story within this franchise. And it might work. It might work, but just based on my initial impressions and my initial reactions. I'm not a fan of Han coming back because I felt that his story was capped really well. Yeah. I feel there was plenty of growth. There was. Because you have. Tokyo Drift was the third film released. Yeah. But then in Fast 4, 5, and 6. Yeah, you're right. You're right. 4, 5, and 6, we have the story of Han. Yeah. Where we get. we. We have his introduction. We have how he knew Dom. We have how he leading up to his time in Tokyo. Yeah, I that was good because okay, now we're reshuffling the timeline for the films and making this standalone film Tokyo Drift, which, to be honest, had the least connections to Fast and Furious. Yeah. Aside from, here's a street racing community in another country. The only connection it had was um, the, the post credit scene with, or the end scene where it's like Dom is in Tokyo and challenges the new the guy to a race because of he because he had heard of Han, of Han dying and yeah. wanting and wanting to see this person. Which we get into Fast Seven. So yeah, Seven, where we're introduced to Deckard Shaw. Yeah. And the end scenes in Fast 6, where we get that scene where Deckard is introduced and Deckard is, they basically show the car crash in Tokyo and the way the scene was shot in Tokyo Drift is like they was, you didn't see every angle. No. So in Fast 6, when they introduced, here's another angle and now we can introduce Deckard that yeah. it fit. Yeah. So then we go into, okay, let's go into Fast 7 where it's like, all right, Dom goes to Tokyo. They reshoot the 
extension of the scene we see in Tokyo where Dom talks to the I can't remember his name right now but talks to the the protagonist from Tokyo Drift about Dom, about Han passing and then adding in the photo of Giselle which is great but it doesn't feel like that it, it felt like that added layers to that story and it did not and you realize that if you've seen Tokyo Drift Han's death is actually pretty pivotal in the story and the emotions of the story so I feel that having Han come back in this ninth film like he is risen from the dead is taking away from that story and that element in Tokyo Drift and that's what we were discussing prior to starting the show so now that you're all caught up and want to if you want to hear what we're going to continue to discuss you'll want to turn you want to check out the patreon section of our show where it would say strictly patreon members only uh aspect of the show where we continue to talk about various things and whatnot so with that we're going to run take a break take a pause yeah go through our closing uh contact info and then uh shift over to the patreon where we will continue this discussion of franchise fatigue and is it r- why does it seem like some choices don't make a lot of sense? And this again, our opinions, strictly our opinions. It's good discussion. So, right, wow. take it away. How can we find us? Um, you can go ahead and find me, Rat Guy, and Incubus Tribe on Instagram. Like, message, send a friend request, or you can find Scuba at ScubaCod on Twitter. Twitter, and Facebook, Instagram, all of those places. Everything. Uh, uh, you can find the studio at facebook.com slash scuba studio where we uh, get post some updates on the upcoming show and when the show's broadcasting and plus we have the discussion section where we can discuss each episodes and you guys can uh, throw in your two cents and tell us what you think and possibly give us some suggestions on stories to talk about um, if you like the show want to support the show as we were just alluding to go over to patreon.com slash scuba studio Uh, on sc- <laughs> Patreon slash Scuba Studio, where we Patreon members get exclusive access and early access to all of our content and discussion. Also, access to a Patreon only section in our Discord server where you can discuss with us in our Patreon only chat because that's an interactive chat with Patreon members. Um, you can email us at scuba studio at gmail.com. Give tell us what you think, tell us some uh, suggestions if whatnot. Um, discount on Discord. We have our server, a Scuba Studio. Link in the show notes. I think. It's in, oh, and if you like the want to check out the audio version of our show, you can find the podcast uh, podcast version on Google Play, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. Oh yeah, everywhere and everywhere. Trying to trying to get it all in there. Get I'll, out there, people. Get out there. Outs. Find us. Surf us. Do everything. <laughs> so anything i missed on that i think we got all that all right no we good we good all right good. well thank you for uh checking us out thank you for hanging out with us and we will see you next week peace